0: Designed to help you learn to create a calm and joyful atmosphere in your home. I'm your host, Hannah Riddle, a wife, mom, and former teacher living in the Pacific Northwest. I certainly don't have everything figured out, but I hope to encourage and inspire you to be the best mama you can be. Are you ready to jump in? Today, we're privileged to talk with my friend and guest, my husband, Jonathan. In this episode, we'll talk about our mutual love for the mountains, how time outdoors can build confidence in our kids, and explore how to avoid extremes when it comes to letting our kids play outside. This is episode 39. Here we go. Well, thank you, babe, for talking with me today. And thank you listeners again for tuning in this week.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, we heard a lot of great feedback when you were on for the marriage episodes, and I thought it'd be fun to talk about some of our favorite things in these episodes coming up right now on our series about getting outside. So before we dive in, I thought it'd be fun to talk about one of our recent Saturday adventures, which actually turned into more of a weekend adventure, um, which was uh, the wedding we went to in Seattle. Remember that?
1: Oh, I remember that very well. We took all three of our (laughs) children their first (laughs) wedding ever
0: which was quite the experience. Um, so it was really fun. We love the couple that was getting married. They're just really special to us. And one of my favorite things about that wedding was when the dancing started. Our six-year-old daughter just went on the dance floor and kept dancing and had so much energy. Like, could you believe that? Like,
1: Literally dancing like no one is watching for an two, hour and a half, two hours two straight. Two hours, maybe. Sweating. <laughs> sweating
0: bright red face (laughs) and I'd look over and I'm like isn't she gonna get tired and she just she had this look on her face like determination like I'm just gonna keep dancing the night away (laughs) and she was she found a buddy there's this really sweet girl probably like college age or post college or something but who really like took her under her wing and was like just doing these fun moves and then our daughter would imitate her and they'd go back and forth and then a lot of the young people that were on the dance floor for a long time were just like super impressed with our daughter's stamina (laughs) in in her energy. Did you love that wedding? I mean, that whole weekend was just really fun.
1: It was crazy and chaos and a lot of work, but it was really fun to let them go to the married.
0: The married, yes. They call it a married. Like, we're going to a married, not a wedding. And so that's one of the fun, cute things they say right now. And we're like, yes, it's a married. (laughs) Um, Also, one of my favorite things right now after that trip is how our little boy says Seattle because he goes Seattle (laughs) and he stretches it out and he goes up in the middle. It's just lots of inflection. It's great. Anyways, that was a definite recent highlight of this summer for us. So I've called today's episode Birdsong, Butterflies, and Bumblebees to hopefully invoke that mental picture of, let's say, your kids or even you as a child, you know, chasing butterflies and just hearing the birds sing and chirp and just all the freedom and lighthearted kind of mood that those elements of nature bring. I think as a grown-up, I can almost become too serious sometimes and let the weight of the world's problems and the brokenness I see and feel all around me just weigh me down to the point that I miss these simple pleasures in life. But when I stop and remember the gift of nature that God's given us to enjoy, I can take a moment away from the heavy heartedness and just watch the delicate beauty of, let's say, the flapping wings of a butterfly. And remember this, my creator loves me and is for me. He made this beautiful creature right here and right now for me to gaze at in awe and wonder. I feel like wonder is a state of mind and a feeling that would benefit us all more. Being outdoors allows us to ponder, to look, to observe, to wonder, and stand in awe of the intricacies and the beauty of creation in a unique way. Do you you find that to be true?
1: Yeah, I agree completely. I think that people are renewed when they get outside. And uh, this is a theme amongst urban dwellers and farm dwellers both is that desire to get outside and refresh yourself, whether that be through different means, could be a hike, could be camping or just sitting outside next to a fire pit. Mm -hmm. Or yeah, I think it's as humans, we refresh when we're out of doors.
0: Yeah. Now I know we both love the mountains and I thought it would be fun, Jonathan, for you to just start by sharing some of your favorite experiences in the mountains and all around. I mean, you've been to incredible mountain ranges and so I thought it'd be Fun for you to explain where you've been a little bit and why you love it so much.
1: So I am a huge fan of the mountains. Yes. I'm a big (laughs) snow skier. Yes. So when you snow ski, the mountains kind of are a... Necessity. Necessary (laughs) ingredient. But I love to mountain bike. Don't get to do that very much anymore. Love to hike when I get a chance and the girls are finally coming at an age where we might actually start to hike more than a short walk. (laughs) Yes. And I love to be in the mountains, um, see the mountains, you know, from your from your morning window view would be a phenomenal thing. Just have them right out your door. I know you come from um, different parts of B.C.
0: Yeah, in Canada.
1: And Yep. And I've spent a lot of time traveling up there and. Mostly snow skiing up there. Mm-hmm. But I've been there in the summer as well. Uh, and you The mountains just kind of boxing you in. Um, it's common in the Alps to have that same box canyon. You're in this in-the-mountains feel. And you have the lakes and the mountains. And I've spent a, a good chunk of time traveling, visiting, house-sitting, or yeah. living over there. Right at either the foothills of the Alps or in the Alps. And uh, there's not a lot of happier places for me than being in the mountains. Whether it's here or there, it's just kind of a different language you order your food in. Mm-hmm. But uh, the mountains are majestic all under themselves, regardless whether it's the Alps or the Rockies or the Pacific Northwest. We have the Cascade Range, um, goes up into Van- Vancouver and BC,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and that's the range we live nearest to. But uh, you know, mountains are a thing of beauty, even with as rough as nature can be, as as big as nature can be. You know, it's where a ton if not all of us find a huge amount of refreshment of the soul yeah and as a mountain lover i want to think it's every single person but i know there's some introverts that may find reading a book inside a a nook more their thing and yeah that's okay um it's not what i do so i don't fully get it but i understand (laughs) yeah
0: i know i i feel like too when we traveled to utah for a wedding. Or, I'm sorry, Colorado, but we went through Utah. Mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite areas. Um, where yeah, were Parks, we at? Why Park City, Utah. Oh, yeah, Park City, Utah. One oh, of my, my favorite goodness.
1: towns in the United States. Oh,
0: Hands down. Yeah, it was just beautiful. And I just have to throw this in there. I I had a mini celebrity sighting when we were there. So that was kind of exciting. <laughs> I was, I was, um, we were sitting up on this balcony of a restaurant. We looked down and there was this huge banquet for a big fundraiser. And so the whole downtown was taken over by all these tables. The mountains are all around. And I looked down and I'm like, that's Melissa Hartwig, creator of the Whole30. And Jonathan was like, What? who? What? (laughs) Because he wasn't really sure. Hannah's like, we should go
1: meet her. I'm like, like, why (laughs) would we interrupt our dinner to go meet someone who invented a diet? I mean, that's a true diet right there, right? I guess we wouldn't be finishing our dinner.
0: Yeah. No, it was good. It was.
1: we're going to stay here and uh, eat. (laughs) And it
0: was her because I saw her later up close and I was pretty starstruck. And at that point I had not done a Whole30, so I felt like I had nothing to say that would be like super... (laughs) super great like yeah I haven't I wouldn't be able to say this changed my life but since then I've done one and I could have said that but I digress Utah and Colorado are also stunning and they have so many beautiful mountains but anyways John Muir said I am well again I come to life in the cool winds and crystal waters of the mountains and I love that you come to life like I think there is something about the mountains in particular and rivers and lakes that just awaken your senses and then like you said earlier your soul you know is refreshed and deeply touched by i think part of it is the perspective because when you're amongst mountains like let's say the alps you feel the perspective of like i am so small i am a it's not that i don't play a part in this world but i you know compared to the majesty and splendor of these mountains and then let alone the one who created these mountains It just puts everything in perspective. You know, I love that. I feel like it's a good feeling to know that there is something greater, you know?
1: Yeah, we're very small when we're in the mountains. It it puts mankind in its place as um, not the
0: center of of the food chain or center of the universe. Center of everything. I know. One of my favorite and strongest memories from childhood was um, we would get together with my grandparents and my cousins in this little cabin in BC that my grandpa had built for us like he'd built for the family it's like a cedar cabin and it's in this beautiful kind of off the not off the grid but it's it's kind of out out there in the middle of nowhere almost but we would go and hang out during the summer and we'd go down to the freezing cold lakes but we would just jump in because when you're a kid you're like whatever you just jump in and we'd swim and play with these logs are these big logs that would be floating near the shore. And we'd like get on the logs and pretend they were boats. And we would play with sticks and rocks and we would just run and swim. And then we spent time hiking, especially as we got older. And my grandpa's legendary bear stories at night to help tuck us in. It was just so much fun. And I literally remember, I mean, if you leave garbage out or if you like don't put the trash out properly or whatever, there could be bears that come up like black bears. And then I don't remember... I-
1: yeah, you have brown bears up there too. I'm assuming. Yeah,
0: yeah, and so it's a little bit, it's a little bit interesting. Like thinking about it now as a grown up or as a mom with kids, but it's, it was just some of my favorite childhood memories happened at this place. And and because we were outdoors and we were just playing and playing and playing, there is a reason we as humans experience more anxiety and physical discomfort and depression and hopelessness if we stay indoors all the time and never get our bodies moving and walking outside. I can't tell you how many times, you know, let's say my day is going fine, but my mood is maybe sliding a bit and for whatever reason, and my energy begins to dip and I just make myself get outside, take the kids on a little walk or just go play in the backyard. The change is dramatic and almost instant. My heart feels lighter. My thoughts kind of sort themselves out. I breathe a little deeper and I am able to gaze and wonder at the beauty of The water or the trees and the wildflowers which paint the fields with shades of purple and yellow and orange and so gorgeous, right? So we must allow ourselves and our children enough opportunities each day to experience that wonder and that awe, to ask questions and teach them about who made this incredible world we live in. One of our listeners um, and a sweet friend of mine showed me a little bouquet of flowers her son had picked for her the other day and it just melted my heart. Already he is learning how to appreciate the beauty that God has made for them in this world. And another friend posted recently this cheery bouquet of daisies picked by her son, again, with love. Just made me so happy to see that. And I couldn't help but think of how much Meg Ryan loved daisies And You've Got Mail. And am I dating myself here? I don't know. I loved that movie. I saw it in the theater. and I saw it twice. Um, and I thought, you know, you, these, these are the happiest flower. Like, I, I totally agree with her in that movie. So, Jonathan, back to, like, your experiences outdoors. When you were a kid and the opportunity like what were some of the opportunities you had when you were growing up to kind of explore or play and just take in the majesty of nature can you think of some of the ones that come to mind
1: my childhood was on a smallish uh, farm. probably not the right term but it's 20 acres had some cattle and not far from from the city but just a little bit out of town and uh if I ever, ever said I was bored, going back to as long <laughs> as I can remember, I would have been kicked out of the house. Like, go, go outside. Go outside. Yep. Yep. I mean, go find something to do. So, I mean, that was kind of the childhood I grew up in and the the 20 acres that my parents had butted up against a little bit of private timberland. Um, not a huge chunk, but still a little more mountainous. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine saw a cougar, mountain, mountain lion back there one time. <laughs> oh, man. Definitely had black bears they're way more afraid of us than we were of them. Um, you know, lots of deer and, um, for some reason, no elk in that area. I just didn't like it, but lots of wildlife and just lots of being outside. And I was probably out and about and back in the woods going back to, I don't know, probably middle school. It wasn't particularly free range back then, but it was just kind of farmish living.
0: And how, how often were you outside? Like in a typical day? I mean, probably more on the weekends when you're not in school, but like, how much do you think?
1: Okay. So taking school out of the equation, um, you know, it it depended on the day, Mm -hmm. but a a nice weathered day. We probably outside more than we were in. Mm -hmm. Um, and if we were quiet and stuck to ourselves, we could be inside and no one would boot us out of the house (laughs) for boredom or, you know, if it was my mom's choice, she may give us a chore. Yeah. Yeah. You're bored. Oh, you can vacuum. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I think I'll go outside and
0: I will go outside,
1: find something to do fun.
0: (laughs) I know. Um, Do you feel like as you grew up, especially as a teenager, that time outside with those hobbies that you developed and even just playing sports, like doing sports outside and adventuring, do you feel like that kind of kept you from not harm and bad habits, but like kind of kept you on a good path in life, like through those teenage years? Because I feel like it contributes to, especially for teenagers, like their their health and growth and like doing things that are good with their time. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I I think spending time in nature builds into your character. Walt Whitman talked about character being everything kind of feeds into you from a second or third grade teacher. I wish I could place the quote to everything that's built into you along the way. So spending time, especially significant time outdoors, that's building into your character. And I know that when I went to college, I went to a smallish liberal arts college and I was innocent and happy and free and i just spent my high school years doing well in school yeah i was was a good student um but i'd spent my free time either playing sports Uh and it wasn't like crazy intense travel just the school sport of the year and we had a good friend play in the nba i mean so there's some it was decent level yeah sport you know we spent this time outside fishing and um squirrel hunting or I mean you name it just outdoors and we weren't yeah we weren't crazy about it or like the people you see on tv we were just having fun outside um building a fort or doing this or that or just going and looking and you know who knows I mean just kind of depends on age as we age is more reflective yeah we're we're young it was more let's build something yes let's stack these rocks yes let's let's dam up the creek yeah um which never really worked I mean you could throw rocks in there and it just (laughs) creates a rapid
0: <laughs> exactly especially when you're young and you don't quite know how to engineer that <laughs> yeah
1: exactly there's still some engineered rapids down there or yeah. unengineered rapids um, yeah. on that creek that probably shouldn't be there but yeah you know, we were young
0: no I love that I think for me too I can think back to the time I spent outdoors or doing activities and things and hanging out with my friends I had a friend who or I have a friend we're still friends after pretty much like 20 years um who had a hammock and a nice property that she lived on in some like a hot tub and stuff outside and we would chat because girls we just love to talk and so we'd be hanging out we'd go sit on that hammock and we'd enjoy like the the breeze and the sun and just be chatting and talking and it was so good because I do feel like being outside can kind of keep you out of some trouble you know it can keep you kind of on this good path and it's so healthy for your mind and so healthy for your heart So there's a really great quote I wanted to share and a great book I'm going to recommend. It's called Last Child in the Woods by Richard Louv. And he shared in this fantastic book how the famous child psychologist Eric Erickson described children have this need, especially in middle, middle childhood, to establish a self beyond adult control, that's a direct quote, and the important role of forts, hideouts, and other special places near the home. So that's kind of what you were just saying. It's like, it's great to be able to develop your confidence and start, you know, just exploring and seeing and just experiencing things for yourself and be a little more independent, especially when you're a teenager, right? Like that's kind of what you were saying, I think.
1: Yeah, there's something in your mind that's developing then and something in nature feeds into that. I can remember watching a House Hunters International episode. We love that show. (laughs) Yeah, haven't seen much of it lately, but before we had kids, we watched a lot. I know, (laughs) so true. But there was a couple in, let's say, Arizona, Mm -hmm. and the husband was working very hard, many hours, and they had two sons, and uh, they had some sort of of special needs, like Asperger's or something, where it was a demanding uh, academic work for the poor mom to try and keep them in a smallish house, and they were all cooped up and going, not crazy, Just going to stir, stir crazy. crazy. Yeah, stir crazy. That's the right word. Mm-hmm. And they ended up, the dad made some changes with his work, and they moved full-time onto a resort in Mexico. Yeah. And the boys would spend, oh, they'd spend hours and hours outside in the pool and just being in the nature of the resort. And some of the issues that they'd had, I remember one particular was, a, had a space issue, something like claustrophobia, and that just erased itself and he was sleeping in this little almost coat closet because the house was smaller and he found this cool little nook and he went from being claustrophobic to i love this new nook and uh, a lot of the issues that the mom was having no this wasn't just the nature the dad was around a lot more too so having two parents for two kids is definitely easier than one especially when there's um high needs or if people yeah, need more attention. If you challenges. can if you can always one-on-one, mm-hmm. that's great. So I don't want to negate the fact that now dad's around and the parents can one-on-one the children as opposed to having to deal with two at once, which can be harder, or yeah. three or four or five. But uh, it was really interesting because you add, add nature and add two active parents and all of a sudden what can be a very difficult situation was really working itself out naturally. And I think nature was the Key ingredient Mm -hmm. to helping those boys, they were probably middle schoolish age, if I recall, um, segue from developing some problems to developing very what we'll call normally. I mean, I know Mm -hmm. it's not the right term, but I mean, just healthy. And just,
0: I know, I think the parents, if I remember right in the episode, did credit the time outside. They knew that that was making a huge difference and they were so grateful they'd made that choice. I think. It's really, most people can agree, like, yes, it's really important to get outside, like in theory, but then I find that there's this really interesting challenge that we all face as parents. How do you have a healthy balance of using caution and wisdom and good discernment, and good judgment, and then allowing freedom in parenting? Like, I feel like this is not easy. So in if there's two extremes, total freedom, you're risking Maybe exposing your kids to kind of unnecessary dangers and being neglectful because maybe they aren't old enough to handle the responsibility you're giving them because you're giving too much freedom because it's completely free and whatever. That's one extreme. But on the other hand, there's total control where you restrict childhood too much based on your own fears. So a lot of times I think middle ground is not a good thing and not a great place to be when it comes to, let's say, your morals or beliefs. But with this issue of getting outside, I actually think it's kind of appropriate, is finding that nice, healthy middle ground of you're giving freedoms as they're age-appropriate and developmentally appropriate and ready to go, and you're not holding on too tightly to control. You know what I mean? Um, we want our kids to be able to grow up and, as Lou says, be able to have great self-confidence and the ability to discern true beauty and appreciate it and then also learn what's danger like true danger is and how to react appropriately to that i feel like that's actually kind of a, a tension we live in you just try to walk that nice healthy kind of middle ground on this issue do you know what i mean
1: yeah i mean those things that there's a healthy fear that kids need to learn like a healthy fear of heights
0: right cars maybe the roads oh my <laughs> that's maybe we're not that talking two about two-year-old but yeah
1: heights and cars yes. yeah exactly water um <laughs> Yeah, the power of water, yes. especially rushing water in the yeah. wintertime. Summertime, things move more slowly. In the same creek, they're able to play in. Yep, maybe a torrent. I mean, yeah. take you away, and at their age, they'd never get out. So, but yeah, healthy fear. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be around to control those factors when they're little. Yeah, and then if you spend time out there, you gain knowledge of it just through through life
0: and experience, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then. As far as like, I can't let my child go outside because what if a bear gets them or they find a mountain lion? I mean, it's the the odds of a bear being upset, there'd have to be a cub involved. Right. So that's incredibly rare. As far as mountain lions or other things like that, they rarely choose to challenge someone. If you live up in Alaska in polar bear country, that's something you're (laughs) going to want to take into consideration and spend a little more time out there, maybe with a very large anti-polar bear weapon or something yes. like that but you know in general you know even in the the wilds of the pacific northwest i'm sure it's the same in the smokies and the rockies and down in the sierra nevadas you know you have wild animals but you learn to respect them and typically they don't want to mess with you if you don't mess with them and so i feel we, like too the settings the
0: settings we're talking about the average person doesn't live out in the woods you know what i mean like hopefully like hopefully this makes sense like we're talking about Walking that nice middle ground, and oftentimes, if you're going to go explore the woods or the coast or something, you're going to be with them because it's a family adventure. So yeah, that mean, kind of just alleviates the danger, anyways, because you're going to be, you're most likely going to be wanting to share that experience with them. So this is kind of interesting. So Louv talks about that healthy versus an unhealthy fear of being outside and that oftentimes things get passed down almost like urban legends and then they're just found out later to be just untrue. So for the main example he uses in the book is strangers with creepy vans offering candy laced with drugs to kids. (laughs) He's like, that just doesn't really happen. The early 90s really pumped this myth into our culture and then caused a lot of panic amongst parents. And so that's kind of one factor about like even getting outside in a neighborhood setting. I think some people tend to be pretty afraid when we might not need to be quite as afraid. And another unfortunate thing we have to contend with now as mamas and as parents and um, just people in the world is the difficulty in filtering and discerning what news and statistics and facts that are thrown out there are even accurate or true, right? Because a lot of times news, they want you to be like, "Oh, I'm interested. That's an exciting headline. And, often the things they talk about are kind of hype or scare tactics and they're not likely to happen to you. And they just end up causing you to live with almost a low level, you know, anxiety all the time everywhere you go. So sadly, what we do have to be aware of is that often the bad things that we're worried about happening would probably be more likely to happen with a trusted family member or friend, not a stranger. So we need wisdom and healthy boundaries here too. And that can be far more challenging. So anyways, I love exploring the reasons why we may fear the outdoors or have misconceptions about, you know, more free play because I don't ever want to live my life enslaved to fear. But then I also think common sense and discernment and good judgment. If you have that uneasy feeling in the pit of your stomach, do you know what I'm talking about? Like where you kind of go, oh, hesitation and saying yes to your kid hanging out at a certain person's house or going on an adventure with someone you don't know very well. You know, just be wise and heed that caution because it's there for a reason.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Um, I mean, a bigger problem than thinking if I let my kid roam in the wild, is he going to get attacked by a (laughs) bear? Is how do I get to somewhere, anywhere remotely wild? Because more people tend to live in urban areas. Yes,
0: exactly. And
1: people are way worse than animals. Yeah. As far as a danger factor. Yeah, completely. Far less predictable in general. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not 100% true, but most of the time, I would trust the bear to walk along and do his thing more than i trust that person down the street right especially in this age where there's a lot of uh mental illness and drug use yes. and then those two combined yep and uh you know that can be a very unpredictable scenario so yeah you know good good healthy parenting's still recommended here
0: yes exactly Um, One other contributing factor that Louvre and this director from a place called the Antioch New England Graduate School, David Sobel, say, they both say there's this dynamic called ecophobia in our culture. And I find this so interesting and completely true. It means that we are afraid of ecological deterioration. So nowadays we don't really want, like, we don't really know how to go outside and just relax and like maybe pick some wildflowers or play hide and seek in a wooded area without fear of like an endangered animal or damaging the ecosystem because there's a lot of fear and a lot of kind of hype around that. We've lost the healthy way to engage with nature, he says, and have become almost afraid of it. I don't know. I love that description. I thought that's actually super true. So a few years back, I happened to see this Old like Sesame Street episode it was kind of random I don't even remember this the context here but there was a kid you know how they do little scenes and little skits and so this was one little segment this kid is brushing his teeth and as he leaves the water running between brushing and kind of spitting out the water and etc they show this cartoon of like this poor fish frantically swimming around in his river and as the water the river's water is like draining out slowly supposedly because this one kid left the water running while brushing his teeth. And I mean, that is, talk about like fear-inducing propaganda. I was like, oh my goodness, that is so bad, right? I don't know. Did you ever see that, babe? Like, do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, I saw that same ad. And oh, I, There's a lot God. of things too where, in particular, where there is a large amount of people. Picture yeah. like Yellowstone yeah. or Old Faithful. If you don't follow the guidelines and stay on the, paved path or whatever when you have that kind of volume you could you can tear stuff up um so if you have a million people a year traipsing somewhere you're right. gonna have a real a real uh physical issue and over time nature will fix that right but uh in very popular areas you know you stick into the paths letting things grow naturally makes sense because otherwise you're just gonna trump it down to nothing in areas that are less common um or just a park or wherever else you know, tromping down the grass isn't going to affect mother nature or the ecosystem. Right. It's going to grow back next year. Yeah. Y- and y- The weight of a child cannot compress the soil beyond where it can right. just pop up or down based on anything past normal. So, yeah. you know, being a good steward, of course. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Soon. Letting yeah. one, letting... A kid being fearful, I can't do that. What if I do this or that? You know, don't go mess around with the bird's eggs right, in the nest. Because <laughs> yes. even if it's not an endangered bird, that's just, <laughs> it's just
0: not nice. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's a teaching moment right yes. there. We don't want to go ahead and kill the poor little birdie's eggs, yes. regardless of if there's a billion of them or two of them. You know, it's it's wrong either way. But in general, especially if you're not on a, you know, a, a really common nature walk, there's really very little you can do to cause ecological you know mass damage so kids should feel free to run and play and explore and be one with nature because if we lose that you know the the intent that these ads at the 80s you know, be the intent is saying be a good steward Mm -hmm. but if they create fear in doing so and then you have kids that can't connect with nature or don't connect because they're afraid of it yeah you're gonna have severe problems the other way where these people aren't going to um they're not gonna have built that part of nature or the respect for nature that you get from being out in it. Yes. Some of the people I know that respect nature the most are people that have spent by far the most time in it. Exactly. These are people that have camped in it and they've built campfires in it and they've been off trail and they've been everywhere and they have deep respect for it. Totally. You, know, you always have people out there that don't care about anything mm-hmm. and they're selfish. So, but in general, the people that spend the time are the ones that really have the love, the respect, the care. Yeah. Um, and if you grow up afraid of things, you're not going to develop that love, respect or care because that's natural time being in it. You may have an academic love for it or a care about something you heard on on the news, but mm-hmm. that's you know, talking about something is one thing. Going out, doing it, loving it, being yes. it is another thing and that's what you get with nature, you have to go experience it.
0: True, I completely agree. Well, we are going to push pause on this conversation with my husband, Jonathan, and come back to it next week. So that will wrap up this week's episode of Sunday Afternoon Mama. Be sure to tune in next week for the other half of our conversation. And please, if you enjoy this podcast, go ahead and tell a friend or family member so they can check it out too. Good old fashioned word of mouth is one of the best ways to spread the news. Come visit SundayAfternoonMama.com and follow me on Instagram and Facebook. I'll be back with you next week. In the meantime, I'm seeking joy and peace with you so that we can be better mamas together. Take a deep breath and smile. You've got this. Bye for now, sweet friends.